The gospel is found in the book of Matthew, chapter 16, verses 21 through 28. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, and you do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what he has done. I tell you the truth, some, of, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Thank you. You may be seated. Good morning, everyone. All right, you can see that I'm holding my balance beam. You've got to pretend with me today that I'm an Olympic gymnast. Like I said, you really have to pretend, okay? And uh, I'm going to walk on the balance beam, and like most gymnasts uh, who do a routine, you know, Olympic gymnasts, uh, sh- I think I'll start out with a double backflip, okay, on, on, the, on the beam, all right? And then I'll go to a handstand, and then, of course, the, the, the height of everything is the dismount, and I want to get this right. I should do a double front flip with a full twist. What do you think? Should I do that? Ready? We're kidding, right? I don't know about you, but that would be too risky. If this were a real balance beam, I would have been laying on it, hugging it, okay? Uh, risk is something that we Christians find difficult. I, I, I enjoy this quote from Dr. Scott Dudley. He says, we have created today the most risk-averse society in history. We are the most seat-belted, bike-helmeted, airbagged, gluten-free, hand-sanitized, peanut-avoiding, sunscreen-slathered, hyper-insured, massively medicated, password-protected, valet-parked, security system, inoculated generation in all of history. And all that's done is made us afraid of everything. And we Christians in our faith are oftentimes afraid to step out and to take risks. We want things to be easy. We want it to be simple. We want life to be fun. And at the end of life, our prayer is that we would just kind of go to sleep and die and wake up in heaven. No suffering, nothing ever bad in our lives. Well, friends, we come today to a section of Scripture where we are challenged. And this has always been a challenging section of Scripture for me. It happens right after, in Matthew 16, right after Jesus had his disciples at Caesarea Philippi. And remember, that was the smorgasbord of religious ideas. And he's asking them, who do people say that I am? And remember the answers? Some said John the Baptist, some said Elijah or Jeremiah or one of the other heroes of the faith, one of the other prophets. But then he looked at them and said, but you, 
Who do you say that I am? That's when Peter, oftentimes the mouthpiece of the disciples, pipes up and he says, Jesus, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus looks at him and said, good answer, Peter. You're great. That that kind of rock-like faith, you are Peter, and on that rock I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Well, this comes right after that section. What does it mean that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God? And that's when he goes to his disciples and he says, from that time on, he says, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem. Is it going to be easy? No. He would have to suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and he would be killed. On the third day, he would be raised to life. Here's what we know. The disciples heard the suffering part. They heard the death part, that he would be killed, and it flies right in the face of everything that they thought the Messiah would do for them. And so here's Peter again, the mouthpiece of, uh, of the disciples. He's, it says, Peter took Jesus aside and he began to rebuke him. And Peter says to him, this shall never happen to you, Jesus. Now, Peter gets a bad rap here, but you can't really blame him. He prefers to avoid the hard stuff. He doesn't want to take any risk. He doesn't want to have to step out and suffer in any way. He wants the good stuff. So Jesus turns to Peter and he says, Get behind me, Satan. He says, You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but only the concerns of men. You see, Peter's words to Jesus were to try to get Jesus then to take the easy way, to avoid the cross, to avoid suffering. We can't blame him, right? It's the way we are in our lives too. In fact, it's the same kind of temptation that Satan came to Jesus with when he began his ministry in the wilderness. Remember, it was Satan who came to Jesus and said, just turn these these stones here into bread. Make it easy. Or he said, why don't you jump down from the highest pinnacle in the temple and and your angels will catch you and all people will, will praise you. And then he took him to the high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the earth and said, these will be yours if you just bow down and worship me and you can avoid the suffering, you can avoid the cross, you can avoid pain and sacrifice and everything else. The same temptation is there for us too. Just hug that balance beam, right? Just uh, don't take any chances. Make yourself comfortable. Live for yourself. Be happy. Go the easiest route in life. And that's why these next words of Jesus are so challenging to us. Yet in these words are are a greater call for living for all of us as disciples of Jesus Christ. Look what Jesus says. He says, if anyone would come after me, let him do three things. Let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Let's look at those individually. First of all, Jesus says, if you're going to come after me, you need to deny yourself. Now, normally, now denying yourself is different from self-denial, okay? It's different from me saying, well, I'm going to cut back on sugar because I know it's not healthy for me. Or I'm going to limit the amount of TV that I watch. I'm going to deny myself. No, it's different than that. Denying yourself, what Jesus is saying, strikes at the heart of who we are. In fact, it makes us ask the question, who's in charge of my life? Who's on the throne of your life? Who's, what kind of God do you have? 
you know? Is it a part-time God or is God the master, the Lord of your heart and of your life? It strikes to the very being of, of who we are, denying yourself. And, uh, you know, Satan's ultimate lie is that you can be your own God. That's what Satan tempted Adam and Eve in the garden about. The ultimate question, you know, for them, you, you, don't, you, don't, you can eat that fruit, that forbidden fruit, because your eyes will be opened and you will know the truth and you will be like God. You can play it safe. If you're to come after me, you don't need to deny yourself. That's Satan and his temptations. And you, yet we are reminded, as we today, as we sit underneath the cross, that as redeemed children of God in Jesus, as the Apostle Paul says, you are a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And as a new creation in Christ, we put away, we, we, we get rid of the old self so that the new person can come forth and live for Christ. That's what it means to deny yourself. It was Martin Luther said that it's good to wake up every morning and to remember your baptism. And to remember that as you make the sign of the cross, the cross that, that is made on us at baptism will be made on Evelyn just a little bit from now. That it reminds us that the old person in, in us is drowned, the old Adam is drowned, so that then the new person can come forth and to live for God as his people. That's what it means to deny yourself. Jesus says, if you come after me, deny yourself. The second thing he says is take up your cross. Now, Jesus knows a thing or two about the cross, doesn't he? And it's more than just a necklace. It's more than just something that hangs on our wall. No, the cross represents the suffering and the pain and the sacrifice that Jesus endured for us. And finally, the empty cross means victory, that Jesus won the victory over Satan and sin and death, and that through our faith in him, that victory is ours. So what does it mean to take up your cross? Sometimes we talk about difficult things that we face. You know, my mother-in-law is coming to stay with me. I have to bear that cross, okay? My, my mother-in-law has been in heaven for 10 years, but it's just I'm just giving you an example. Uh, oh, my arthritis is really bothering me today. Uh, I guess I have a cross to bear. Yeah, in a way, that can be your cross. But the cross that Jesus is talking about here is different. The cross calls us to take risks. It calls us to carry a cross, but it's not our cross. It's a cross that he carried, that he suffered upon, that he won the victory upon. And so that's why the Apostle Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ, so that it is no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And when we die with Christ, we carry His cross. It means, it means that we rest in the finished work of Jesus who made us His children. And that as we carry His cross, we stop doing our own thing and playing it safe. And it means that we step out in faith to do things for other people. It means that we too are called to give of our lives as Jesus gave to us. We too are called to sacrifice we too are called to be uncomfortable sometimes in our lives and to take risks of helping and serving other people. And that's not easy. And I know that sometimes you get burned when you step out that way, when you put your life out 
like that way for other people. Again, the world will tell you that the best way is the way of least amount of effort, the least amount of pain, the least amount of work. But when Christ says, take up your cross, He calls us to get involved with Him and His work. There's a play called Sweet Charity by Neil Simon. Charity is one of the main characters, and Charity is out walking around a lake with her boyfriend when they stop, and he, she looks into his eyes and tells him how much she loves him. But the young man doesn't share her feelings. In fact, he, he gets so angry with her that he pushes her into the lake. That's when an older couple walks by and sees her floundering in the water. The lady says, look, Walter, there's a girl down there drowning in the water. Walter replies, don't look, dear, don't look. But Walter, Walter, don't look. I tell you, don't look. Don't get involved. It's none of our business. Jesus says, take up your cross. It means that other people are our business, just as the world was his business and the sins of the world as he carried them upon himself on that cross. It means that when there's a need, that we, we do more than just say, I'll be praying for you. That's good, okay? But is there anything we can do for those people down in the Houston area? Is there any way that we can really step out and carry the cross to help? Jesus says, if you're going to come after me, take up your cross. You know, the, the, uh, the, the evangelist Luke, this is in Matthew, the, gospel, the, the evangelist Luke adds one word to this. Jesus says, take up your cross daily. You know, it's one thing to do things for other people when everyone sees you and you get compliments and accolades and, oh, that's so wonderful. But it's the daily kinds of things where you, you're not appreciated, where you serve people and you, no one notices where you can get your feelings hurt on a regular basis because you're just taken for granted. And yet Jesus says when you do that, you're taking up the cross, my cross. You're coming after me. So deny yourself, take up your cross. The third thing, the final thing Jesus says, if you're going to come after me, follow me. It's interesting in the Gospel of Matthew that 25 times people respond to Jesus by following him. Now, what does it mean to follow Jesus? I, I think it means to be totally dependent on Him. And the example that Jesus uses in the Gospel of John is the example of sheep and a shepherd. The sheep are so dependent upon the shepherd. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. My sheep listen to my voice, and I know them, and as a result, what happens? They follow me. Friends, we are in the business of following Jesus. And how can we know His way, His direction? How can we hear His voice? The sure way is through His Word. When you came in today, most of you were handed a, a, a worship folder, and in there is an insert that has all the Bible studies that we're starting this fall. If you aren't in a Bible study, I just encourage you, get, invo get involved in, there's so many different groups, different kinds of Bible studies. You get involved because that's how you hear the voice of Jesus. That's how you know that you're following Him. Fall is also a good time to recommit ourselves to spending the first portion of our day with Him. I, I like to call it personal devotions. 
And when we spend even five minutes to begin our day with the Lord and with His Word, it will bless your day. You'll find that your day goes much smoother. You'll find that Jesus and His presence and His power are with you because you're following Him, you're listening to His voice. Or, you know, here we are, Labor Day weekend, and uh, it's, you know, worship on Labor Day week. Thank you for being here. It's a great time for families to kind of recommit themselves to their priorities and say, I'm, we're going to be in worship on, on a regular basis. This, this is something important to us. But in doing so, you hear the voice of the shepherd and you follow him. My sheep do that. Well, through the years, there have been, been many who have taken the risk, have stepped out in faith, to come after Jesus, to deny themselves, take up their crosses, and follow Him. I, I enjoy reading stories about Christians of the past. And in the 19th and the early 20th century, there was a group of missionaries who became known as one-way missionaries. They would sell everything that they had of their, of their belongings here in the United States, and they would buy a ticket to a place where they were called to be a missionary. And uh, they wouldn't come back. It was a one-way ticket. Well, one of those missionaries was a guy by the name of A.W. Milne. He felt called to minister to a tribe of headhunters in New Hebrides, which is an island off of New Guinea. When he set sail for New Hebrides, he did so knowing that all the other missionaries who went before him were martyred. They were killed. Well, missionary Milne lived among the native tribes there for 25 years. He never came home. And when he was buried, they wrote the following on his tombstone. When he came, there was no light. When he left, there was no darkness. And that's what happens when we step out and we take the risk of following Jesus. Sure, we can pretend that uh, this is a balance beam and that Pastor Luther is making a fool of himself up there, okay? He's not an Olympic gymnast. We can pretend that, okay? We can pretend that being a follower of Jesus and coming after him is easy. No pain, no risks. But that's not what Scripture says. And that's not what our experience is. Instead, Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. It would be kind of sad if that's where it all ended, and it's not. Because Jesus gives us a promise today. At the end of this section or this scripture passage, Jesus has some words for us. He says, whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will gain it. And to lose your life means as he says here, to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. And how grateful we are that our Savior, who loved us enough to give us his life, who rose again from the dead, is with us, so that we have a found life, a life of abundance, a greater life than we ever dreamed possible. So may God help that for all of us in his name. Amen.